what matters is why do we do the work that we do? Why do we do the mundane task? There has to be a reason and intention behind it. Otherwise, it's useless. And that's where the value is. It's not about objective truth. It's about the perception. Who does the recruiter or hiring manager perceive to be the best? And that's the person that gets hired. The only limitations on your career growth are the ones that you impose on yourself. All right, welcome, welcome, welcome back to this episode of the How to Get a Job podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about how to communicate your value. This is a topic that regardless if it's your first job out of college or your last job before you retire, you need to be able to communicate your value because no one's going to hire you if you don't. That's the reality. If you can't prove to a company why they should hire you and why you bring value to the company, they're not going to give you a shot. And so uh, definitely pay attention to this episode. Take some notes because we also have an amazing guest. Uh, to talk about this. To talk about this episode, uh, to talk about this topic, we have Elena Pastore. She is the founder of Alenatore Coaching, and she's a leadership and career coach. So, Elena, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to speak to your audience. So, Elena, why is communicating your values so important when it comes to the job search, regardless of what stage in your career you're at? Yeah, so it's really important for a few reasons. The biggest thing is that a lot of people think that the recruiter or hiring manager or whoever it is that's looking through the applications can just assume the value that they bring because of a job title they had or because of a company, a prestigious company that they may have worked for or interned for that, oh, you know, the person will just see it. They'll just know that I'm great, right? I don't have to put out anything extra. Um, and so that's the first and biggest reason. Um, and the second reason that I'll say is because especially when you want to make any growth or any changes to your career path, even if it's just a small pivot, um, it's important to demonstrate to, again, whoever the person is that's looking at your resume, you need to be, be able to articulate to them those connections and those parallels between what you're doing now and why what you're doing now makes you the best candidate for that next position. No, I love it. I love it. I think it's so important to communicate your value because regardless of the size of the company, whether it's a small company, uh, like in, like a gas station down the street, like this uh, franchise, or even if it's the biggest company, like the biggest, like the US government or Apple or Google, uh, every company has limited resources. And when they, when you have limited resources, you have to look at hiring as an investment. Anybody that you're hiring, how are they gonna either either bring, what value can they bring, how, you're gonna, how they're gonna either make you money or save you money. And if you're not able to articulate your value in that interview, you make the interview process more complicated where they're not able to see your value, they're not gonna give you a shot. And that's why the most qualified candidate doesn't always get the job because if you as a job, as a, as an interviewer can't understand how this person makes a good investment, how they're going to save me money or make me money and becomes too risky of a hire, I'm going to go for a more safer bet where I can clearly see the value that they bring and how they're going to, you know, close the gap or, or solve the problem that I have. Yeah, I, I actually love that you brought that up. I don't know if you saw that from me or someone else, or you just know that intuitively yourself about the saving money, making money, saving time. Pretty much every position that exists is a position because of doing one of, of those yeah. three things, saving money, saving time, or making money. 
that's why people hire people to do those things. And a lot of times people are like, well, you know, that doesn't apply to me, right? A lot of times people like to think they're, they're different or special. And I always challenge them and say, you know what? No, if we have a conversation right now, talk about it, think about it. There are definitely ways that every job you've had is connected to one of those things. And what you said also about, you know, the most qualified person or the best person isn't always the one that gets hired. And this is a big topic I love to talk about. It's because it's not necessarily about who objectively is better or the best. It's not about objective truth. It's about the perception. Who does the recruiter or hiring manager perceive to be the best? And that's the person that gets hired. Yeah, no, I love it. Um, No, I didn't. So I've always said that, but I think we say it in different wording, right? And I think it's important because like you can always articulate, you can always identify how and within a role either make, save, or do a little bit of both, right? And and it really depends on the role. Like I, I joke around and say like, hey, like, what is the janitor at did a Disney theme park? Cause I live in Orlando does like he's actually saving the company money, right? A lot of times it's one because people are satisfied with how clean it looks Two is because he's avoiding a lawsuit because somebody doesn't trip and fall in a trash, like in a piece of trash, like all these little things that you can do to say like, here's how I'm saving Disney money. Right. Um, and you can do that with accounting or finance or even pro- like pro- product development. Like is your task like, like I in, I worked at PepsiCo for six years and there was a developer team that would create apps for the field team. Well, they're not creating apps to be sold on the Apple store, but they were creating apps to save the field team time. So they were saving because they were able to save time. They were making the company money because you didn't need as many sales rep or district managers to do the same task. And so the better you can quantify that, the easier it is for a company to not only hire you, but pay you more. Because if you can prove to a company that you saved or made, um, it's going to be a lot easier for them to like, all right, let's hire them. Or let's, let's give you the raise that you're asking for. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah. I love the creativity there and everything that you just said of, you know, the lawsuit with the slipping and falling at Disney. Right. And, um, the big thing that a lot of people do or talk to me as a coach is they'll tell me what they did, mm-hmm. right? Whether it's on their resume or when we do interview coaching, when I mock interview them, people always like to say what they did, but they don't say, why did that matter? Why do I care? How did that make a difference? What impact did that have on your company, the people that you serve, your coworkers, the community, right? That's really what matters is why do we do the work that we do? Why do we do the mundane tasks or whatever the day-to-day is? There has to be a reason and intention behind it. Otherwise, it's useless. And that's where the value is, is why are we doing this? How is it making the world, our community, the stakeholders better? Yeah, no, I, I love, and it's kind of transitions to our next topic kind of within this, is like what you talked about. Uh, your resume and what people talk about what they did versus what they achieved, right? Like, I think that's a really good way to communicate your value is starts with the resume. Like you're communicating your value throughout the whole process. It doesn't just communicate your value on the interview. If you're not communicating your value from the application standpoint of the resume through communicating your value in the networking that you're doing, right? All of it, you're doing, you're, you're doing it throughout, but one thing I'll, I'll actually just throw it to you is like, how do you communicate your value in your resume? 
Yeah. So, I mean, one great piece of it is what we just hit, which is the numbers Mm -hmm. related to time and money. How have you helped make or save time and money? Um, The numbers are kind of like the proof in the pudding, you know? I can say that I saved money, but when I show you how much money I saved or what percentage of money I saved, it becomes much more concrete and much more believable and tangible as opposed to the person who just says it qualitatively, but doesn't back it up with the facts and the data and the numbers. Um, There are lots of other qualitative ways that make an influence in, in our achievements outside of just the time and money. Even, you know, as a manager or as a leader, having an impact on the growth, promoting people on your team, upskilling the people on your team, right? So there are lots of different ways that you can bring value through the resume qualitatively as well. And that's an area that we definitely, you know, don't want to miss out on that we do want to focus on too. Yeah. I think one of the biggest mistakes that I see when I'm reviewing resumes is they have a doer's resume versus an achiever's resume. They're listing what they did in the job, like, uh, like, oh, like I managed this, but you're not listing what you achieved. And to your point, it's really listing how you made or saved the company money. Because if you can quantify that in bullet points and you can show how you're able to save a million plus, a million dollars by creating efficiencies or by saving seconds in the assembly line or by, if you're a salesperson, how you're able to close more accounts and be able to increase profits, Right then a recruiter, it makes it really easy for them to move you on to the next, to the interview, to want to learn more. Now, they're not going to just hire you based on your resume or on the value that you're providing on the resume. But what you want that resume to do is to be work as that trailer to the movie so that they can be like, oh, now I'm intrigued. I wonder how they were able to create 20% more efficiency or get a higher response rate in their emails or be able to close three more regional accounts that generated this much growth. Now I want to interview them to go deeper into that and be able to see that. And then you, you, you get, that's, that's when you hook them. Now you, in the interview, you got to provide value. Yeah. So I like the, the trailer to the movie example or analogy, I should say there's uh, another woman kind of influencer out there Her name is Alexis Schoen. She wrote a book called Entry Level Boss. And the title insinuates, you know, what it's about. And one analogy that she uses that I really like is the resume is like your dating app Mm. profile, your dating app profile. So you want to show enough to get asked on the, on the date, right. To ask in the first, the next step. You don't want to give too much away because you got to have something to talk about on the date, which is the interview. And I love that analogy a lot because some people also write novels, right? Mm -hmm. I'll see bullet points that are like four lines long. And I'm like, okay, nobody wants to read that, right? So give us the clips, give us the highlights. And then when you get asked on the date, when you get asked to the interview, that's where you can really elaborate the stories and say, oh, this is how... I made this achievement happen. Like you were just saying, talking about uh, the highlights, then you elaborate on it when you get that, that in-person time. So it's like almost like a teaser, um, just to be really enticing too. Yeah. And if, if, uh, if you're listening to this, put yourselves in the hiring team shoes in the beginning, there's hundreds of applicants. They don't have time to read every word in everyone's resume, especially if you think you have so much experience that you need a three, four page, two page resume. If you're doing for a level entry role, like coming right out of college, odds are you don't need a two page resume, right? 
I say odds are because there's always exceptions to every rule. So I, um, but all you want to do is get them intriguing enough to want to talk to you. So I, I, I love that. Now, as we're getting ready for the interview, how do I prepare to showcase my value in the interview? Is there anything that I should be aware of? What can I research? What do you suggest? Yeah. So there's two parts of, there's two parts to this from how I see it from someone that's going on a traditional path. So I'm in a job right now and I want to get to the next level, whether it's manager, director, vice president, right. Versus somebody that is trying to make a change or pivot. So I think there's two different answers. I'll answer it from both. For the first person, you want to think about, based on what I know about this path, what are some areas where I may be falling short or some things that I may have not grown into yet that the company is going to be looking for for this position? And <clears throat> maybe other people in the same position as you may have that skill or experience. Maybe you don't. So you're kind of competing against people that may check off more boxes than you quote unquote. So even if you've maybe had a little bit of exposure to that thing from your current boss, your current manager, your current team, right? You always want to harp on any experience that you do have and be able to at least talk about it. So just kind of overall, you want to know where you stand in terms of what you bring to the table versus what they want in the ideal candidate. Be prepared to speak about your shortcomings and then also be prepared to obviously speak about your strengths and what competitive advantage you think you have over everybody else. Um, for career changers, this truly the same thing applies. The bigger difference here is that you have to be a lot more flexible with how you talk about yourself and how you communicate the value that you bring because your path and your history may look a little bit or even a lot different. So as an example, I have a client that I just spoke with yesterday, actually, and she's a general manager at a restaurant and she is thinking about becoming an executive assistant, right? Very different mm -hmm. industries that those jobs exist in very different context environment, right? There's a lot of differences. And she's like, you know, Elena, I really don't know what to do because these job descriptions, these job postings I see are saying that they want like five years of experience as an executive assistant or as an admin assistant. And she was like, and I haven't done it at all. And I said, well, my advice to you, which is the advice to anybody making a change or pivot is that in order to successfully make that change or pivot, you've got to be able to communicate the value that you do have and how it's related mm -hmm. to this new job, this new context. So I said, while you may not have had that position or that title, technically, as a general manager, you report to the senior leadership of whatever hospitality group owns the restaurant you work in, right? You plan events, you do operations, you do budgeting, right? You're overseeing people. Essentially, it's a lot of the same skills and a lot of the same work. It's just the title, the industry, and the context that's different. And when you can kind of, you know, peel back the onion and kind of wipe those discrepancies away, you can see that there are actually a lot of similarities in between the two. And that's one of the biggest things that are it's really hard for people to do. So I challenge everybody to make sure you consider those facts and how you can seamlessly explain that transition when you get into the interview, because 
the recruiter, the interviewer isn't going to do that for you. You have to do it for yourself. No, so much great information you just shared there. It's like so true. Even that example that you share from the general manager of a store to an executive assistant, like the amount of transferable skills there are like countless. I actually think that it's actually a great transition. And in fact, like in a good way to even think about it, if you're listening to this, it's like, okay, could she become an executive assistant to an executive within a hospitality group? Right. Cause then the, that, the experience that she has being on the ground floor of a restaurant where maybe the CEO or COO has not been managing a restaurant in so many years, that actually sets it apart from any anybody else who's has also applied for the role that might have 10 years of executive assistant, but doesn't come from the hospitality industry. And so it actually gives her the best of both worlds because it's a lot easier to train someone to do an executive assistant than to learn five, 10 years of restaurant management experience firsthand. And that actually, and then once she's been an executive assistant in the hospitality group, now she can then pivot to a tech, tech or anything like that. So I, I think that's, um, it's brilliant. I think it's brilliant the way you're thinking about it. Yeah, I, I love that little uh, path that you played out too, because that's another great approach is, you know, how can I marry or utilize industry expertise that I have to get me into a transition? So rather than changing 100% of the, you know, facts, for lack of a better word, about the industry, the environment, the field, the position, you can say, well, maybe I'll stay in the same field in the same industry and just change the work that I do. And then that positions you even better to then keep that same position and then move into a different industry. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't know if you've thought, done this with your clients or not, but like one of the things that we do in our program to help our clients show value is create something like we call it is an internal name is a potential proof document, right? And in this document, it's we don't you don't submit it when you're applying. The rule of thumb is that you only submit it when you have a connection when it's human to human, right? When you're either networking or you're getting ready to go to the interview and you send this document before the interview. And I think you're only limited to your creativity. So I'll share some examples of out of the box thinking, but also as a way to show value, but also one of the really standards examples. So had a client. He was applying to be a graphic like the character designer for um, for video game companies. So um, the idea there is to prove his value was he designed himself as a character in the video game that he was applying to, right? And he put his skill set just like you know when you're like picking a character, there's like strengths and weaknesses for a character, and he put his skill that way, right? So that's a great way to show his value because one, he's showing, hey, I can design with the same style of the characters inside the video game. Um, and by the way, here's my skill set on the, the, the technology that's used. Another example was this client was applying to be a podcast producer for a marketing company that produces podcasts for B2B companies. So instead of creating, she created a podcast on Spotify with absolutely free to create. And she created a three, three part podcast. One is why hire me? Two, why I want to work for Sweetfish Media, which was the company. And three was her interviewing her professor, myself, because she was like doing an internship to do my, my podcast. This is like four, four years ago. And another person that she did the podcast freelancing for. And so it was literally me like, I think, I think Jay's the awesome podcast producer. Like here, right. And 
she sent that to the hiring team. And I remember because I actually know the CEO of the company, how that, that link to the Spotify podcast went viral in the Slack channel of the company, because what better way to say, Hey, I can produce podcasts than her producing her own podcast. Right. Um, and the third example was she was interviewing, uh, this is a different person interviewing to work at this, uh, furniture, like, like in-home design company in New York city that designed private label products for Macy's, uh, target and so on. And her job was to be a designer for packaging. So then she created three mood boards, like one, like beach, beach house, uh, country house and desert home. And then she created the tag for pillows, right? So she picked the product and then she created what the packaging and the tag would be like. And I remember her telling me that she went against someone who was doing that for Macy's and had 10 years of experience and that the managers were so impressed and the company was growing that the manager went to the finance department and said, Hey, I have two really good candidates. I don't want to have to pick from both of them. Can I just hire both of them knowing that we're going to have to hire somebody in three months? And the manager was able to get extra budget for hiring the person. And it's not like, Oh, she beat somebody with 10 years of experience. No, like the manager really saw her potential and was able to hire both of them. Um, and so I think like doing things like that, those are like out of the box thinking of ways to show value uh, can be really impactful in the interview process. Yeah, I love all of those. I think, I think that's awesome and that's really impressive and definitely a great way to stand out. It's like uh, Alex Ramosi and Gary Vaynerchuk have talked about those things a little bit. I don't know if you I, or I anyone listening right yeah, now. Yeah, no, I love her most. Yeah. And then Gary V, all of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think Alex actually gave that as an example. He says, I have all these people in my DMs that are like, hey, Alex, like, you know, let me make, let me make some social media posts for you. Let me do this for you. And then he's like, and then you get the one person that says, hey, Alex, I made yes. these for you. Yes post them, use them. And he said, that's the guy that I'm going to hire. or That's the guy I'm going to entertain because I'm bombarded with these all day long, just like companies are. And you can't listen to everyone. It's going to be the person that's going to stand out most. It's going to show you that they've already put in the work as opposed to saying, I will put in the work. Yeah. So that's, that's brilliant. It's like, I, I know for all you listening, I think it's important to understand it's like people respect when, when you put in the time. And when you take 10 seconds to hit, hit the easy apply button, right? It's the recruiter is going to do the same thing and spend three seconds looking at your resume, right? Like it's like give and take, but when you put in the effort in the front end, right? And you build the podcast or create the character, like it doesn't guarantee you the job, but I promise you they're going to really look into, into it. And to me, when you go above and you go the extra mile to add the value, to show them the value, not tell them the value, right? Like I think that's the difference is telling versus showing. And you were sharing that example of Alex Hermosi. The recruiter will actually show you the respect and actually look into it. And it becomes, the question becomes why, like the, not, like it becomes, why should we not hire you versus why we should hire you, right? Like it's a different, different train of thought. Like now they're looking for ways to hire you versus looking for ways of, oh no, I found this now I shouldn't hire you next. There's another 300 applications behind you. Yeah, I, I, 
think that's a great way to put it. Why should I hire you versus why should I not hire you? And I've known other people too, stories of people that hire people that have said, you know, I may not have an open position right now, or I don't know what I need you to do, but I know that I need to have you on my team because you've demonstrated excellence to me and I cannot let you walk away. So it does, it does exist and it does get noticed, especially for people that have just graduated college and don't have any, you know, real life experience Mm -hmm. or, you know, may only have one internship or something like that. And then on the the other end of it, I know a lot of people that are fully employed with a full-time job and looking to switch jobs. And they're like, I don't have time to do anything. You know, I barely have time to interview yet doing something like that, you know, being intentional about the time and putting your time to good use will definitely get you noticed. Yeah, no, I love it. Now, Elena, before we wrap it up, um, any last uh, piece of advice or anything else that we have that you would want to share about this topic before we kind of wrap it up? Well, there was one more thing I wanted to say about the interview prep front that I didn't mention earlier, which is, you know, bouncing off of what I did say of every interview you go into, make sure that you're very familiar with that job post and any bullet point, any piece of information that's on there, you should be equipped to respond to. All of that is fair game. So like I said earlier about the, uh, if you know you don't have the skill or maybe you have it partially, right? Be prepared to address it, especially the shortcomings because you don't wanna leave walking away with them having questions about you or questioning your ability. You always wanna be upfront and you wanna make sure that you're prepared to answer. And if the job posting is kind of sparse, because we know a lot of them are, find a similar job at a different company and use that as your study guide. Being ill prepared for the interview is the easiest way to not get the job. So now I did have one more question for you. And it's how does, you know, the importance of understanding like the role psychology plays in career growth? Yes. So this is, this is a big one and one of my favorite ones to talk about. The only limitations on your career growth are the ones that you impose on yourself and on the environment. And by environment, I just mean, you know, not the environment is in the the earth environment, but the environment is in the world around you, for lack of a better word. So this is a big thing with people transitioning careers is they'll say, well, I know that I don't like what I'm doing right now, but I have no idea what I want to do. You know, there's so many things out there and you can make money doing almost anything nowadays, right? But people always ask me, Elena, tell me what I'm qualified for. Tell me what I'm qualified to do next. And I get people of all backgrounds, of all ages, of all industries, of all positions that ask me this all the time. And I'll say, well, if you're going to say, what am I qualified for? I'm going to say, to do what you're doing right now. So if you want to do something different, rather than think about this is my experience. What am I qualified for? Think about what would I like to do or what's something that I would enjoy? What type of environment do I want to be in? You know, from a culture perspective, what type of work excites me? Is it working with people? Is it more technical or task oriented, right? Start as broad as you need to, but try to get as specific as you can and just forget about your past for a moment and just say, what do I enjoy doing and how can I make money doing it? And then you go back to your past and say, now, how can I pull out specific experiences, skills, projects, 
and then translate that to what I want to do. Because just looking at your past is the easiest way to tie yourself down, to box yourself in. And it's not always really easy, but I recommend making three lists. This is what I have clients do. I say make a list about what you like doing and what you want to keep doing, what you dislike doing, and then what skills you want to use. And honestly, I even tell people, put it in chat GPT and ask chat GPT, this is what I like, this is what I dislike, this is what skills I want, you know, please recommend 20 jobs. And you don't want to tell it what you currently do, because then it'll anchor it to that. So really, the psychology comes in because you have to believe that there are infinite possibilities out there. You can't blame the circumstance, you can't blame lack of opportunity. You can't blame anybody else but yourself for making that change happen. And there's a large element of creativity that is required in order to do that. And it first starts with your mindset and really believing that you can change what you're doing and it can be something really great that you do love and want to wake up and do every day. Love it. You you, you literally lit up when you were talking about this particular topic so I can see how passionate you are <laughs> about it. So. As we wrap it up, um, you know, if anybody listening to this wants to learn more about wants to learn more about what you do and how you work with clients, because you mentioned clients a lot, so obviously you have clients and you're really good at your job. So tell us a little bit more about you know what services you provide and how can people listen to this podcast to get a hold of you. Yeah, so I offer coaching where you can work with me one on one. I'm also going to be starting group coaching soon, so be on the lookout for that. They'll include a lot of topics or a lot of conversations on topics like these. And of course, personalized, tailored help to you, your situation and what you need. And the psychology piece really is so, so, so huge. And the, you know, the action, the execution is really the easy part. So the coaching, resume writing, you know, LinkedIn, cover letter, all those kind of nitty gritty interviewing. Um, and then the, the coaching, which is real, where the, the growth really happens. So you can contact me on my LinkedIn, which is linkedin.com slash in slash Elena Pastore. You can find my company page there as well. My website is elenatorycoaching.com and my email is elena at elenapastore.com. So you can contact me in any of those ways. Perfect. So we'll actually put all those links in the show notes so that it makes it easier for anybody to just, that's listening to this, to just click that. Elena, thank you so much. It's been an amazing episode. For all of you listening, um, if you think this is going to be a really helpful episode for someone you know that's looking for jobs, that's looking that has an interview coming up, that's looking to really be able to communicate their value, please share this episode. A like, subscribe. Thank you so much for listening. I'll catch you guys all in the next episode. Bye.